Come boldly. Come boldly. I want you, I want you to hold on to that phrase, come boldly, because that is a phrase that, that God gives to us. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit. But I'm going to begin with a story. The other day I was, um, I was uh, watching YouTube, and um, I, I really enjoy funny things. There's just nothing more awesome in this world than a good laugh, and, um, and I probably have a little bit of a twisted sense of humor, I don't know, or maybe everybody's humor seems weird to other people who don't have that, I don't know. I won't cop to anything, but nonetheless, I was watching fails, and um, they just cracked me up so, so much, and I think it's because so many times when I see really good epic fails, half the time I have, I have tried that, <laughs> and usually had some form of that fail. And uh, so anyway, I got onto these fails, and they were specific to um, skateboards and bicycle fails. And I used to do a lot of skating and, and biking and, and, and motorcycling when I was younger. And so I've got lots of great scars and broken bones and war stories and, and such. And, uh, but anyway, in this particular one, um, I got onto uh, a vine, and it had broken bones, which was, I don't, I don't like that. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a bit much, you know, when they come up and the arm is like... You know, and you're like, oh, just that cringe. And, um, but, but here's these, you know, and most of them are like, I mean, you do have some 20-year-olds that have been at it for quite a while, and they're pretty much pro at this point. But most of them are like, you know, kids that are between like 11 and, and you know, 16 kind of thing, you know. But a lot of 13-year-olds in that, in that mix. And you would see them, you know, just eat it, and then they pop up, and their arms point in the wrong direction, and you're just like, oh, you know, and uh, and they and you and you, you you see that look on their face. How many of you guys have like broken a bone, right? You look at it, you just like, yeah, you're just looking at it, you're like, that ain't right, that that's not right, that's not supposed to be there. Check again. Well, so you see their face, and then there was something I noticed with so many of them, and that was that they would they would do a certain thing, and. And how many of you know, you know, how many of you remember being a 13-year-old? Well, those of you that were boys, I guess 13 was hard for everybody, but for the 13-year-old boys in the house that used to be 13, <laughs> remember how hard that was? It was just, you would do anything to show what a manly man you were, you sweet little preteen man. And, uh, and you had to show your toughness, and you had to, you know, you, you were going to press through. You were never going to show weakness but here's something in these, in these vines that would happen is these guys would get up and they're like, and there were always guys. That was something else I just need to say. Very few dingus girls that were out there trying this stuff because I think they're just smarter than that. They're just like the odds are not in my favor. I'm just not going to do that. In fact, you do it and then I'll decide whether or not it's a wise thing. So they pop up with a broken limb and here's what happens. Call my mom. Call my mom. Call my mom. Call my mom. And, and I was cracking up because one after another in these vines, kid to try something awesome, doesn't stick the landing, breaks a limb, comes up, starts screaming. And the first thing they scream is, call my mom, call my mom. Like all bets of coolness are off when it comes to something that's busted. And you never, I didn't hear one single of them where they were like, call my dad, call my dad. It was always like, call my mom. Like the last thing I need is dad right now. I need my mom. And it, and it got me thinking about what God is like. It, it did. It got me to start thinking, well, you know what? That's an interesting aspect because, you know, it says in Genesis in the word, it says that God made us in his image, male and female. He made us in his image, male and female. And one of God's names, when he reveals himself to the patriarchs, is he says, I am 
El Shaddai. And El Shaddai, uh, uh, translated literally, is the, is the all-providing one, but it's, but it's also the many-breasted one. God is identifying himself, I am the many-breasted one. In other words, I am your mama. I am your mama. That is one of the attributes that I have. And, and so now we know that God is a father. But you have to also understand that God made us in his image, male and female. So there are characteristics of God that you can see that you're only going to see in your mama. Are you, are you tracking with me here? So you, we, we have to understand that there's that aspect of God that's available for us. Or when we fall down and break something, we're not going to know that we should be calling him. If you don't have any expectation that when you fall down and break something and you start calling for your mama... And no one's going to come because you didn't know that there was a mother heart of God. You're not going to call for God in that moment. You're going to find something else. You're going to do something else. And I believe what God wants to do this morning is I believe that he wants to talk to us a little bit about something that's available in who he is, the character of who he is. And I think it's, I think it's okay to say that there's this beautiful part of God that we forget to expect because we forget that what you've seen in your mother represents beautifully the heart of God. So when you fall down and break something, I want to encourage you boldly, like this young man, <laughs> to go, God, I'm broken. Ah! Call my God. Call my God. Call my God. And your friends can help you get to that mother heart of God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. We've, we've been on a theme here, and that theme is that perfect love casts out all fear. We've been spending time in 1 John. And we've been looking at, these, at, this, at this beautiful letter in 1 John, and, and, and I believe making a, a strong case that we never have to approach God with fear. Because Jesus Christ has redeemed us completely and totally. In fact, I'm going to read this prayer because this is the story of our lives. I'm going to just read it to you in Ephesians. If you want to, you can turn to it. And it's chapter 1 starting in, uh, in verse 15. I'm just going to read through. I'm praying this over us right now. I'm going to pray this apostolic prayer um, written by Paul. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. I'm going to pause. That God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of him. That we would see him as he is. That we would know him as he is. That we would respond to him as he is. That we would expect him to be who he is. And that we would be transformed because of who he is. And that our minds would be able to comprehend every aspect of his goodness. Holy Spirit, that's what we're asking you would do. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Lord, that we have an inheritance together. It's not by ourselves. You put us in a family. Holy Spirit, let us know. Let us know these things. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, 
which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Holy Spirit, would you let us know that we've been raised in Christ, that the same mighty power that took Jesus when he was dead and couldn't raise himself from the dead, that same power, Lord, is working in us. Holy Spirit, would you let us know? Would you do that in us? Would you open us up? Because we can't bring ourselves back from the dead. We can't bring ourselves back from dead works. We can't bring ourselves back from legalism and, and sin and, and bad habits. We can't do it. But Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by you. Let us know. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all the things in the church. Holy Spirit, let us know. You're the head. I'm not the head. You're the head. We're not the head. Holy Spirit, let us know. Which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And listen, here's our story. Here's our history. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. I want you to say, I was dead in my sins. He made me alive. Holy Spirit, let us know. All right, I'm going to start reading some more. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved." And he raised us up together, together. Say together. Holy Spirit, let us know. Let us know that it's together. Let us know that it's not a little party for us. Let us know, Lord, <laughs> that we're together with the saints. Holy Spirit, open us up to know that. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace we have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Holy Spirit, let us know. Holy Spirit, raise this up in us, not of works, lest any of us should boast, for we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now I want you to catch this. Have you been born again? Have you? You have. You can say yes. Have you been born again? Yes. Yes. Okay. That is true. And you were created in Christ Jesus when you were born again for good works. Okay. It is natural for you to do the right thing. That is your natural instinct because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, let us know. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. If you ever don't know what to pray, pray Ephesians. I'm telling you, that's a good prayer, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Now I have to follow that. Hallelujah. So in light of that revelation, 
In light of that revelation, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us come boldly. Whether we're winning or whether we're losing, let us come boldly. Whether we stuck the landing or whether we broke our arm, let us come boldly. Here we go. 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He who has the Son has life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. What makes you have life? The Son. If you believe in the Son, then you have life because he is the only one that could bring us life. There isn't a different option. There isn't a different place to look. There isn't secret wisdom there isn't some amazing thing that you can attain to. There's not a perfect formula that you need to live by in order to get there. There is only that man, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our hero. There is no other way. It is that Jesus Christ, that beautiful Son of God, who held nothing back but gave his own life so that we could be born again. And not just as a, as a something but as one just like the Son of God. And so then, as he is, so are we. So when we're looking at how do we do this life, how do we, how do we get through this life, how do, we deal with, how do we deal with it when we fall down and break something? And I'm not talking about just our own arm. I'm saying when we fall down and the arm that we break is our neighbor, when we, can, when, we, when we do find ourselves getting ourselves into trouble, the big S word, what do we do when we sin? If we are allowed to live without fear, and we are, then what does it look like when we sin? Now that we're believers, because all of 1 John, if you've been reading, and I've been preaching from it for the last few weeks, so I encourage you to go back and, and listen to those podcasts. But we've been talking about the reality is, is that we're not to be afraid, but that's not licensed to sin. We still need to deal with sin. We still need to deal with the fact that we fall short of the glory of God. And so if we are not afraid anymore, how then shall we live? And I tell you, the clue, the, the clue, I'll tell you, the billboard is Jesus Christ. It's that man, Jesus Christ. Ed, Ed Glaspie in Restoration, a, a class that he, that he uh, founded and has been teaching us, several other teachers that are in it. But how long, how long has Restoration been going now? 30 For 30 years. Restoration. Come on, if you haven't been a part of it, I encourage you, be a part of it. I encourage you to take the time to go on that journey. And one of the first things that Ed says in Restoration is he says this, to the extent that you do not know you're loved is to the extent that you're in bondage. Well, that's 1 John. It says, little ones, perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. You're expecting to be punished. And so fear has come into your heart. So who is love? 
Love has been demonstrated by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to show what the Father is like. And he took every last bit of punishment because sin does require punishment. Your instincts are dead on. What I did was not good and I deserve punishment. You are right. You deserve punishment. I deserve punishment. When we sin and do things that are unrighteous, we deserve to be punished. Agree quickly with the enemy when he tells you what a terrible, horrible, selfish thing it was that you just did when you did it. Agree quickly and say, you're absolutely right. But that man, that hero, that Jesus Christ, he took my punishment. And I repent and I got grace I don't deserve. And I got acceptance that I should never have gotten. And it just makes me love him all the more because that man, my big brother, Jesus Christ, he took the punishment. So you're right, but I'm not getting what I deserve. I'm getting what that man, Jesus Christ, deserves. That man, Jesus Christ, that son that God looked at him and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And I have, I have exalted his name above all names. I have rewarded him because he has shown what I am like. And that's what you were born to be like. So come boldly. And tell me if you, what you think of my son. And we say, I love your son. I love your son. I love Jesus because he made a way where there was no way. And now he's making life where all I had was death. And now he's making dreams where all I had was nightmares. Now he's making peace where all I had was hell. I didn't have to hear about hell. I was already in it. <laughs> so you can agree when the devil tells you that you deserve punishment. You just can't find any. And all it does is it just turns you around where, you, where you're able to cry out. When you break something, you go, you come boldly and you go, God, call my God, call my God. <laughs> and the mother heart of God shows up on the scene. And I want to talk to you about this because we've been talking about how perfect love casts out fear. And there's part of our hearts that we're still, you know, I'm not going to pretend to understand all the facets <laughs> of how this works. But let me talk about a couple of them, okay? So this isn't meant to be exhaustive, and I'm not trying to be the Bible answer man. But I am saying that I found hope in this man, Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, there's not a different answer. And the more that I know him, and the more that I see him, the more that I can't help but just want to have him in other parts of my life. I, I, I have these areas and these parts of my life that were just horrible, and, 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 and instead of being punished in them, God just kept pointing me back to Jesus. And the more that I looked at Jesus, and the more that he looked back at me, suddenly, suddenly he's in those parts of my life. And, and they started losing their power. 
And it's been a process. I'm, I'm 40 years old. And I look amazing. Because <laughs> Jesus is in me, of course. I mean, it's glory. This is what glory looks like. <laughs> it's been a process. See, when you are born again, okay, well, first of all, let's just talk about the first time that you were born. When you were, the first time you were born, what exactly is it that you brought to the party? Yeah, you were cute. Yeah, come on, you were cute. You could just take some credit for that. I was gorgeous. It's true, you just cute little pudgy little, right? But aside from that, all you brought was utter dependence. Utter dependence. And already a little bit of hubris. It didn't take long. Isn't it amazing how those cute little things can be mad at such a young age? You're like, you're just a bundle of perfect and you're already mad? Remember the cat cry, Karen? Remember the cat cry? We were like, we called, we called a minute. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> back on point. <laughs> Jesus, be formed in this sermon. Okay. The point is, when we were born again, we were born utterly dependent upon the Father, upon the mother heart of God, I believe represented beautifully in the Holy Spirit. What are some of the names of the Holy Spirit? Comforter, helper, teacher, counselor, also the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Has anyone had your mama get you up for school ever in your life? That's a mighty power. It's amazing. <laughs> Come on. And what are we dependent upon? We're dependent upon that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead to form Christ in each of us until we together come into the fullness of the maturity, maturity of God, maturity of Christ. So the mother heart of God is working in us to complete the good work until we together come up into the maturity of Christ. And isn't that just like the mama heart of God too? that it's not by yourself. It's like, hey, where is your sister? Oh, I don't know. No, you do know. Where is your, why aren't you guys together? I told you to play together. Come on. <laughs> Are there any mothers in the house? That was a good example, right? It's together, forming Christ in us. So what happens when you break something? You boldly come and say, <laughs> And God comes. You boldly come and say you broke it, and he boldly comes and fixes it. Boldly comes and fixes it. Now, why is this important? It's important because we're going from total dependency as an infant in Christ, growing into the maturity of Christ. And, and as we do that, you know what we deal with? Sin. We deal with sin. Yeah, I know, shocked, right? But it's not, it's not in fear anymore because Christ took all of the punishment. So the question begins to be, we need to ask different questions. I, my, my life has been mostly asking the question, um, God, 
was that the last nail in the coffin? <laughs> like, Father, please forgive me, and I hope that wasn't the last nail in the coffin. Father, I hope you don't come while I'm in the middle of this sin. Because <laughs> it might be the last one. Are you guys with me? Yeah. It's the, that's, the wrong, that's the wrong way. I'm looking at it wrong. I'm looking at it wrong. What I need to do is to say, God, this is broken. This is broken. Would you show me Jesus again? Would you show me Jesus again? I need, God, I'm coming. This is broken. God, this is still broken. God, this is still broken. This is broken. Could you show me Jesus again? It's not working here. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, I need you to raise Christ in me in this place. Because I'm still doing that same thing. I'm still thinking that same way. Oftentimes, we're actually looking at the symptom of what gets broken, and we don't see that the problem was that we keep getting on that skateboard and jumping that chasm that is not humanly possible to jump. And we're like, I got a broken arm problem. He's like, no, you got kind of a stupid problem over, over here. And, and I'll tell you what that stupid problem is, guys. It's always fear. It's almost always fear. It might be pride sometimes, but, but it's almost always fear. Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. But with all things, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. When we get afraid because we're not looking at Jesus, we don't go boldly to God and say, I need comfort, I need help, I need to be taught, I need Christ to be formed in me. We go, I need to figure this out on my own. And what do we figure out? Drinking too much, eating too much, yelling at our kids, looking at pornography, drugs, alcohol, whatever being a legalistic religious nuthead. We come up with all kinds of things to make ourselves feel better. We come up with all kinds, don't we? And then when we get down to like the little, the, the, the nitty gritty of like the actual nth degree of now I broke my arm, then we're like, God, I got an arm broken problem. He's like, no, no, you have a, you have a skate at night without any pads on problem. You have a, I get scared about finances and then I eat too much problem. It's not an eat too much problem. It's a you're fair, you are deathly afraid that I won't take care of you. And then you got to medicate that. I'm just throwing out a couple examples. The, the point is, you know, you know about what it is that's in your life that ends up broken. But I'm telling you, that's not where it started. It started with fear. And perfect love casts out all fear. So we're getting ready to the fear problem. Now we have some habits, okay? We do have some habits. We have some sins. So what do we do in the midst of those sins? What do we do in the places where we're stuck? Well, First John speaks to that. All right. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I'm writing these things so you don't have to be afraid. You have eternal life. Things are in your, they're in your corner, he's saying. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin, there is sin leading to death, and I don't say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. I want you to just say this, all unrighteousness is sin. Now this is important for us because we live in a culture that honestly tries to pretend that God got really progressive and he doesn't care when people are selfish. 
It's just true. I'm not even going to preach on it. I'm just saying that's just the bottom line. It's like your happiness is more important than anything else, so you need to do what works for you. That's just straight-up self-centered selfishness. The Bible calls it sin. We just churched it up a little bit. You need to just be happy, if only for a moment. Now, that's not if it's sin. (laughs) Okay? Now, what happens when we run into this? What happens when we keep finding ourselves running into this? What do we do? Well, what I love about this is because there's no fear and because Christ took all the punishment, we don't go have a big pity party and wonder like, God, was this the one? Am I like, am I in? Am I, am I out? Am I not saved? Am I saved? Am I not saved? What is it? Oh, no, no, no. It's like, if you're still breathing, then you didn't sin the sin that led to death. So good news there. The only sin that we see that we can just point at clearly and say, okay, this sin Jesus said would not be forgiven is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's where you, you are knowingly calling into question the activity of the Holy Spirit while God's working miracles confirming the gospel of the kingdom and you're standing there and going, that's demons. Jesus said he wouldn't forgive that. So if you're calling the Holy Spirit a demon, Jesus said that's a big one. Don't do that, okay? None of you have done that. And none of you are going to do that. All right? So let's just, can we just put that to bed? All right? So you're still here, so you didn't sin as unto death. And none of you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And if indeed you feel like that you think you might have at some point, just tell him, I didn't even know I'm really sorry, and I promise he's going to forgive you. Because he's a really good God. I'm not saying blasphemy is okay. I'm just saying I don't think any of you pulled it off. All right? Now, here's what's so cool about this. I want to read this in the message because it hits it from kind of a different angle. Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. Remember what we just prayed to you? All of us were dead in our transgressions according to the way of the world. But in Christ, we're now a new creation. Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power, yeah, that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the son of God. You want to overcome that sin problem? You need a bigger revelation of who Jesus is. When we realize who Jesus is, fear can't dwell in the same place. When our religion that we invented fails us, and it does, we need more Jesus in that place. Because he'll set us free from that religion that we invented. We need a bigger revelation of this Jesus. We need to come boldly and say, God, this is broken. And our prayer then is, would you show me Holy Spirit, God on earth? Because Holy Spirit is God on earth right now. Jesus said, it's good that I go to the Father because then I'll send the Holy Spirit who will teach you all things. The comforter will come. The helper will come. Who's going to help you see Jesus? Who's going to comfort you about who Jesus is? Who's going to give you revelation and raise Christ in you? Who's the spirit that raised Christ from the dead? All of that is Holy Spirit, God on earth. So we can say, God, help, this is broken. And then he comes and begins to flow through this grace and show us who Jesus is. And what did Jesus say about himself? He said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And what did Jesus say to us? Arise, do not be afraid. I am with you always. 
I did not come to judge the world. I came to save the world. There will be a day of judgment. My Father will judge the world someday. It's a day. I came to save the world. And we see in another place, the scriptures tell us, do not think God is slack in keeping his promises, but rather in his forbearance, he wants that none should perish. Therefore, he's allowing more time because it's his kindness that leads to repentance. So when we ask God, God, I'm broken. God, I have a problem. God, this stupid thing came up again. I did it again. Help me. Show me Jesus. And he will begin to come and give you that revelation. Every apostolic prayer that you see in the scriptures is again and again and again that the eyes of our understanding would be open so we could see God as he is. Not as we think he is, but as he is. This is not going to happen in our lives, beloved. This won't happen because we think it's so. It won't happen because we work really hard to make it so. It won't happen because we grit and just write more rules and create more robust cages that we can live in so we can be free. It's called your own religion that you're making up. It's only going to happen through revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit because of the finished work of Jesus. So there is a point where you literally just kind of lay there and go, I give up. I just, I, just, I just give up. I need you to work in me so that I can fulfill the law of love, but I can't fulfill the law of love to get you to work in me. So we pray that prayer, Lord Jesus, come. We come boldly. God, come. Holy Spirit, show me more of Jesus. Give me this revelation. I can't give it to myself. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. It goes on. Now, this is the testimony. This is the testimony, in essence. God gave us eternal life. The life is in his Son. So whoever has the Son has life, and whoever rejects the Son rejects life. My purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's Son will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. The reality and not the illusion and how bold and free we then become in his presence. I love that. And how bold and free we then become in his presence. Jesus, you already did everything. You already forgave every sin. You already paid for every bit of punishment. You already redeemed all things. How much more will you then form your character in mine now that I'm following you? Will you save me only to reject me while I'm working out the character defects that I'm still practicing? Of course not. Why would he redeem us and then reject us? We were already rejected. He redeemed us. How much more will he give us all things? So then we become free in his presence to come and go, this thing is broken and it is ugly and I hate it and it hurts my wife or my neighbor or my coworker or my brother or my sister or myself or whatever. And at very least, it hurts your heart. You don't like it when I do mean things. So I have a problem. Dad, I have a problem. Help me. And we go boldly to him and say, what is it that I don't see yet? What is it that you want to show me? And you let him show you because you can't show yourself. If you could have shown yourself, you would have already shown yourself. You already showed it. You'd already done it, wouldn't you have? You've already been doing what you know to do. And it's not working, is it? So there must be something else. And that something is, Lord, you need to show me more of Jesus. 
Now maybe the thing in your life, and I'm gonna speak to this and then we're gonna, we're gonna end and we're gonna pray. Maybe you're not even repentant about the thing it is that is called sin because the Bible calls it sin, but it's the thing you like. And in fact, you've been crossing your fingers and hoping real hard that Jesus is super progressive and you get to keep doing that thing that's been bringing you comfort. And so when you hear things about sin, you're like, oh, I hate this. I hate this part. Oh, these narrow-minded Christians always going back to that sin is sin when we all know it's dealt with. Well, that's called antinomianism. It's called lawlessness. You've just lowered the standard down to your current level of experience and you're calling that grace and freedom, but it's not freedom. You're in bondage to that sin. And Jesus is the only one that can get you out of it. And calling it not a sin doesn't get you out of it. And your own conscience condemns you. That's why you get mad at everybody whenever they call it sin. It's not sin. I, I decided it's not a sin. Well, God didn't. So for those of us that are in that place, and I've been in that place. I've been in that place. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not belittling that. I understand that. But I'm saying this to the point that you're staying in that place, then in this place too, say, Jesus, I don't even want to consider that this could be a sin. I'm not even repenting. I need you to reveal yourself in this place. I need you to bring me to repentance. It, you, the word says your kindness will bring me to repentance. Can you show me your kindness in this place so that if it is actually a sin, this heart will turn? Because I'm not even willing to turn yet. Are you willing to do that? Jesus, I need a revelation in this place because this is my only painkiller. And I've called it good for a long time. And it's gotten me by, and quite frankly, I don't have too many scars for it. I don't want to let it go. I need a revelation of Jesus that he's more valuable than this thing that I call not sin, that you and other believers call sin. My purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's son will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life and reality and not the illusion. And how bold and free we then become in his presence, freely asking according to his will. Surely, that I'm sure that he's listening. And if we're confident that he's listening, we know that what we've asked for is as good as ours. And then I love how he pivots. For instance, if we see a Christian believer sinning, Clearly, I'm not talking about those who make a practice of sin in a way that is fatal, leading to eternal death. We ask for God's help, and he gladly gives it. Catch this, and this is where we're going to, I want the elders, and I want the uh, prayer servant team to go ahead and come forward. What this says, like right now, um, what this says is that we, we are actually able to ask for prayer in the place where we're getting our heinies kicked. And... We can pray for each other when we see each other. Levita, you beautiful elder, come up here. Um, when we see each other in the prayer servant team, when we see each other sinning, we can actually pray for each other and God will release grace to help you in something you're not even asking for help yet. That's what this says. And of course that makes sense because the gospel says that this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us to forgive sins we weren't even repenting of yet. We can pray for one another that we'll start getting victory over sins that we're not even repenting of yet. 
Now, there will be a repentance, but his kindness leads to that repentance. Some of us are deceived. We've literally seared our consciences in areas that we've called sin righteousness or okay or grace or sloppy agape or whatever cute name we came up, progressive, whatever name we named it so we could keep doing it. And what we need is his kindness to come in and go, you're actually ens- you're, you're enslaved to this thing. You go to it instead of me. You go boldly to this instead of coming boldly to me. And to that extent, you don't know me. So, as Ed says in Restoration, and I encourage you, if you haven't been a part of Restoration, to take it next time it comes up. To the degree that you don't know God, that you don't know the love of God, to that degree, you're in bondage. You're in bondage to something. Because only the revelation of Jesus Christ sets us free. And then there's no fear. Beloved, today, I'm going to pray, and we're going to ask Holy Spirit to come and show us the places where we need a greater revelation of Jesus. Now, for you, it may be that you're realizing, oh my goodness, I really want prayer for this sin because it's been kicking my butt so bad for so long, I don't even have hope. Well, the Bible says, come get somebody else to start praying with you. It doesn't have to own you. Jesus is here. And here's the thing I want you to know. Look around the room. They're all dirty, rotten sinners that got saved by grace that are now saints. Nobody is surprised that anybody, everybody in this room sins. It's not licensed, it's just true. Does it make it okay? No, stop it. But what if I can't stop it? Oh, then come get prayer. And then you'll get a revelation of Christ and he will help you to be free from the fear that's driving you back towards these bad habits. Amen? I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. We trust that your word brings about change. Your word brings about revelation. So Holy Spirit, will you come and just show us the places that you want to bring a greater revelation of Jesus Christ in? So whether it's your kindness leading us to repentance for the first time, or whether it's something that's been besetting us and we want freedom from, Lord, we ask that you today bring it up, that we can agree with others, that you, O Lord, would remove that thing. 1 John says, little ones do not sin, but if you do sin, confess your sins one to another, and Christ Jesus is faithful to forgive. And here it says that we can pray one for another. So Lord, we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a moment and let the Lord search your heart. When you have peace and you feel released from Christ, just go ahead and head out. And for anyone that would would want prayer, please come forward and let us agree for breakthrough and blessing.